You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. T-Mad. Don is a pastor with 38 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. <laughs> pastor Don. <laughs> good morning, Alex. How you doing? So far, so good. Yeah. Good? Yeah. Awesome. I um, don't know how long that'll continue, but... Oh, it's going to be a so good far, day. So good. It's going to be a good day. Um... I wanted to talk to you today about why the Bible. Hmm. Did you consider other books? And just kind of talking about, you know, the differences between religions and what makes the Bible special. Right. Well, I didn't consider other books as far as my faith is concerned. I did change how I approached the book. Okay. But I had a, uh, a class in college called World Religions where we studied all the other world religions and, and their documents, you know, and the they all have one and something to sort of base their teachings around. Right. And usually it's the sayings of what, whoever their big guy was. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I think is interesting for us as Christians is we not only have an ancient document, yep. but the theme through that out the document isn't to raise any one individual up other than God himself. And here all you have all these human situations that these authors find themselves in or they're writing about someone who found themselves in these situations and they all point to God out of regular real life situations. Then you have this Jesus that comes out in the text and is modeling this God in real life. Right. And teaching these 12 about who this God is. And we we he comes he lives he dies he's raised again you know that's sort of unusual we don't have that in a lot of those other documents and then uh he sends these people out and all of a sudden this wave this movement of activity begins in that period of time and is continuing yet to this day about this guy who you know if if he if he wasn't raised from the dead why would it make such a difference in people's lives. And actually people would give their life because they believed he was raised from the dead. Yeah. So you've got that resourcing around the book itself mm -hmm. that comes from the people who lived in it. And that's not altogether that special out of discipleship and that, that sort of thing. What's interesting in addition to that is the events that are in this book are mirrored in other places in history that exist outside the book. Okay. And then... And, and that's Old Testament. Right. And then you come to Jesus, and you could dismiss this character if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus was spoken of outside of Scripture. And we have Josephus, the, uh, the Jewish historian, yep. citing the life of Jesus. And he wasn't that far removed, but what there were, you know, eyewitnesses and those right. kind of people that could be uh, the, this historical account of this living Jesus. Uh, that exists outside the, the Testament. So why this book? It's because not only does it exist on its own inside of history, human history, but it also, ex all those examples are real people just like you and me who God worked with and led through terrific and horrific times. Yeah. What I found is that, you know, growing up in the 80s, or no, I, I grew up in the 70s, I guess. 
and then living through the 80s and the 90s and 2000s when when we became the post-Christian era, mm-hmm. uh, I found there was more truth in the Bible than I lived in when I was younger. So about 1996-97, I moved from, yeah, I believe in the Bible, to I'm a student of the Bible. Okay. I want to get into Scripture deeply. I want to know what those... I want to be able to say when I get get in a situation with some guy in a gray shirt asking me questions in front of a camera, I can give an answer <laughs> from this testament. Yeah. That's understandable. It's book, chapter, and verse. Right. And this is why I believe. Mm-hmm. It's sort of my fulfillment of First Peter three fifteen, being able to give an answer when I'm asked to. Okay. And and so I I I believe. This book, because it's about somebody other than their authors, God, is inspired by God. I believe he's behind it. I believe every word in it is inspired by Almighty God and is for my benefit. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we... And yours, too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, I want to talk about this... We both believe that, you know, Jesus is kind of that cornerstone, that mm-hmm. there's that last puzzle piece that makes it all fit together. There's three other religions that have the Abraham as kind mm-hmm. of their, right? That, like the patriarch or whatever. Um, Judaism, Christianity. Muslims. Muslims. Yes. And they all have their different collections, mm-hmm. right? They all talk about Jesus in one way or another, but they aren't all, they don't all value what Jesus did equally, right? Right. And I'd say the value of what they take away from Jesus is different. Uh, what they take away from the Bible is different. What do when they think, get from Jesus? Like what? He's a good teacher. Oh. The moral, the moral consistency, or even just the Sermon on the Mount, is is. Uh, I mean, there's uh, even Eastern religions that would affirm the teachings of Jesus because of their moral and mor- mor- moral background. Their, okay. Uh, their values. Sure. The values that Jesus teaches. Yep. Um, but they don't value Jesus in the same way we do. Right. And uh, so he's a good prophet, he's a teacher, you know, but he's not the savior, Messiah. Do they, do they just kind of get rid of that part when they talk, when they have it in well, their religious their guy, books? their guy is the Messiah. Right. They're, they're, whoever that is. Okay. Yeah, I guess I kind of always thought, you know, if you can't really be in the middle with Jesus. It's either he's the savior, son of God, or he's a lunatic. You know what I mean? I don't quite understand that middle ground and maybe that's like a, maybe that's a, you know, a translation thing that I don't quite understand. Well, but it's that thinking of, well, his teaching is good. He's just not savior. But if you like his morals, wouldn't the, like a one big fault he would have is claiming to be God. Something that you'd be like, okay. Yeah. yeah we don't uh, step there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of people that have claimed but to be... But they leave that part out. Okay, they do. They don't okay. have to, you know, they don't claim he's God. They don't even show his claim as God. 
Okay. So you take care of that problem. So that do they just think a that good the, teacher? Do they think the Bible just makes that up? Well, they just don't highlight it in the, in the like the Quran wouldn't highlight that. Right. Is that what they believe though? Is that you know the Christians just kind of made that up? I'm not sure that I I would say that they make it up. Uh, they would say it was made up. I can't okay. say with authority what okay. what their background would how they would handle that. Sure, that makes sense. Um, there are quite a few religions in the world. I was I was I, I, I'm opening up like the you know significant religious texts of major religions and. Oh boy, mm -hmm. you could go through quite a few of them, and you know a lot of them you know aren't that old, but a lot of them are very very old. Mm -hmm. um, how many of them have you read? Very few. Yeah, I'm trying to get this one down. Yeah, you know, and and when I can get the Bible down and all taken care of, then then I can maybe look at some other things. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to get this one down. What's interesting is then you'll find if you look at those texts, like the Code of Hammurabi, would echo a lot of what goes on in the Ten Commandments. Okay. So does that mean there was no influence there, or did the Ten Commandments influence the Code of Hammurabi, or did the Code of Hammurabi influence the Ten Commandments? Hmm. Or is it because God was living with all? I mean wanting to move humanity forward and, yeah. and in a better road that maybe he leaked it out <laughs> and, and that's how they got Hammurabi yeah. to write it. Yeah. I mean, you see that there's a lot of, you know, similarities between a lot of the religions like the great flood. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, most of the 10 commandments, I think there's like seven or eight key ones, not necessarily 10, but seven or eight that like every religion's like, but they're no-brainers, kind of, you know, like, don't kill anybody. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Yeah, and short. Yeah, yep. Um, but we're, we, we're the ones that take it that next step while also kind of taking some from Judaism mm -hmm. and branching off of it. Sometimes I feel like the Judaism or the Jewish religion kind of looks down at Christianity and be like, oh, they made that up. You know, they added all this extra stuff that they didn't need. But yeah, to me, that's kind of the important redeeming piece that makes it make so much more sense it is and and especially since you put it together on the sermon on the mount when jesus in uh, matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 takes a lot of that old code and says hey i haven't come to abolish the code right i've come to fulfill it yeah and that no dot no tittle will be left from the code i think that's 517 so he, then he takes piece by piece and ups the ante on these codes. And while they're ancient codes, then he says, wait a minute, I said thou shalt not kill. Hey, I don't even want you to hate each other. Yeah. Because in his mind, then hate, hate was the same as murder. Yeah. And so he ratchets the expectation. Of right. It. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that is, that is a neat part of it. Um, I always thought it was interesting how you can't, Jesus, when Jesus came, so the part, you know, the New Testament for us, right? All the other religions, as far as I've looked into them, which hasn't been much, are religion. And Christianity, although I guess, you know, you classify it as religion, I guess, but if you truly read the Bible and become a Christian, that's, 
Jesus kind of abolished religion as a whole. It's a relationship. He really did. You're and exactly the, right. And that's the grossest part of a religion is that it's a religion. Yes. You know? We bring our sacrifice. We lay it on the altar, exactly. and that's supposed to take care of this week's Yeah. It's conditional. It's, 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 it's contractual, and it's, you know, give and take. I do this by work. You know, I did all these things. Now I deserve this. Right. So you're my puppet. Yep. I want my expectation. I want to know the expectations. I love, I love expectations, though. Don't get me wrong. That's way easier to go through life knowing what someone expects of you. Yeah. But it's different because Jesus says, oh, you know what? You're, you're not going to do all those. We know. Yeah. I know. I know you won't. So let's just have a good relationship. Yeah. And that's where grace comes in. Yes. And we have a whole lot easier time dealing with expectations oh, yeah. than we do grace. Because mm-hmm. then it means we have to try to understand why this guy would hang on a cross right. and wash away all my sin and all my indiscretions. And I'm supposed to be okay with this. Yeah. Hmm. You know, that's, that's a good point. Like if you look in like the Bible, when Jesus is standing up and teaching, this is something that's always been just like, you know, you, you, cause you sidetrack here. When you have a sermon, you give a sermon, I'll often say something you know, like, Oh, you know, that was really good. Gave me a lot to think about. But in the Bible, no one ever came up to Jesus after he taught and was like, you know, shook his hand, you know, hey, you know, that was really good. You gave me a lot to think about. You know, that was, you know, well, I'm on my way now. No, it's transformative. It Mm -hmm. is extreme. It is extreme. I mean, I imagine if you didn't know at that point in time, those the people in the Bible that are hearing this, they're going, oh, everything I thought. It's not what I thought. It's right. He's changed all of it. Yeah, he's torn everything down and given you something. Like, I love when something is, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, um, profound. And uh, that's the one I love about the Bible the most and why I don't really move on to other books to see what those are. Because, like you said, I haven't got this one down. There's so many things profound in there. But back in the day the explosion of profoundness in someone's head after hearing Jesus talk must have been, well, probably terrifying. Yeah. But also, you'd never experienced that before. No. And and it had a lot of people thinking. You you go to John and and you see the, the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. And a lot of people, oh, boy, let's take on with this guy. We'll sign up with this dude because he can <laughs> feed us. And they follow him. Across the lake, you know, because he can feed us. And his he understands that expectation. And then he gives them something so profound that people start, oh, I don't know that I can go there. <laughs> so by chapter 7, there's, oh, yeah. And, oh, people, Dickie. Oh, and he finally, oh. and Jesus finally turns to, to Peter and the disciples and says, so how about you guys? Yeah. Hey, we haven't got anybody that can talk like you do. No. And so they, they got it, mm-hmm. at least that far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you talk about profound. That's exactly what makes the difference between a religion, a relationship. That's right. Because someone speaking profoundly that cares enough into my life that they will say the word that needs to be said when it needs to be said. Uh, we, we don't usually do that for each other. In right. fact, I'd say that's one of our faults in our discipleship is we won't speak the truth in love because partly we don't love each other enough to speak the truth into somebody's life 
Yeah. And that, yeah. It's hard to find someone who is really willing to, and this is a respect thing, obviously, but is willing to have that. You know, they're, they're telling me this because they love me. I know that that is something I need to change. But sometimes people are not wanting you, someone they also love, to see those bad things. Right. And they don't want you to know that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that that's really where we need to get as Christians. Yeah. When we talk about moving into this next era, religion isn't going to do it. Yeah. It's not going to be changing lives. And the truth is, nobody's going to follow somebody whose life hasn't been changed. Yeah. When you see transformation in someone's life, you want to know why, why? How, what changed all of a sudden you're different than you were yeah. before. And that's exciting mm -hmm. and scary. Oh yeah. Cause then I might have to change something. What yeah. I like about the walk of, uh, with Christ is he's not going to move any faster than we're willing. Right. And that he will always nudge us at the edge but he's also given the free will mm -hmm. and we are guilty of sometimes exercising that free will and not going the next step. Yeah. Uh, he will never leave us. He's not going to forsake us, but this nudge that he's giving us is for our good, not for the bad. Right. Although it may hurt. Oh yeah. But God, God loves us. Yeah. That, that's the Jesus thing. That's the relationship thing. That's the relationship thing. And I think kind of something that ties together what you were talking about with, you know, speaking the truth to people is if you're letting someone, something hurt you, I think we talked about that in the episode of pride, mm -hmm. but if it's hurting you, that's religion. You know, if I am in religion with you, well, then everything's contractual. Everything is what right. we can give to each other. Mm hmm you know, I don't really necessarily want you to tell me that. I want to you make know, sure I outgive you rather than. No, you exactly. Me exactly. Yeah. I gave this much this week. You know, I just saw you weren't doing that. You know, it gives me power <laughs> to know that, oh, I'm doing so much better. Yes. But it's the relationship between people where you can actually respect each other to take that criticism to well, not, not only criticism, but take the, you know, the, the compliments where someone sees such a gift in your life. I mean, sometimes, you know, you want to be modest and humble about that, but, you know, if it's going to help you to flourish in that area, that's why someone's calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we go around looking for more of a relationship with other people instead of a, what we're told is socially acceptable give and take, and that's religion. That's religion. Yeah. And that's what you want to avoid. Did I say that good enough? Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay. Because those gifts mixed together is what becomes the church. Yeah. I mean, the authentic church exactly. is the mixing of the gifts. And I appreciate what you bring to the church and what that person brings to the church. And we bring it together and all of a sudden we're better together than we were separately. Oh, yeah. exactly. And that's, that's what God's doing. Yeah. Cause I can't play the piano. Really? Nope. Oh, can you, I thought that might've been one of your hidden gifts. Oh, wouldn't that be funny? I can chord. You can chord. Yeah. I can't, uh, no, I can play about I as well as my it. son does. I Just can't do a Liz. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, that's not gonna be good, and you know, don't have time to do the cleaning of the church, and a lot of other things that you know you never see that that uh, behind the scenes stuff. Behind you know? the scenes stuff, right? You know, how many people are making sure this is a good place to come in, a welcoming place? We lack nothing except 
more people. Right. Let's keep going. Yeah. Westchester, Westchester, United Methodist Church, come Sunday morning, 1045. Yeah. Give it a shot. Invite somebody else. Or two. Yep. (laughs) That's right. Don will be up there talking. I'll be in the back. a lot of room. Yeah. Yep. Why, Why don't people sit in the front of the church? This is so funny. Good. I, I, I always thought it was because they didn't want to get close to the preacher. Okay. And I think it, <coughs> it's because they can see everybody else. So if you're at the back, you can see everybody else and not stick out in any way, shape, or form. And in the Mennonite church, oh, you guys are going to like this. I always complained because they'd go to the back and I'd claim they're Methodists. They were being a little too Methodist because they're going to the back. <laughs> Come to the Methodist church. Everybody's at the back. Yep. And uh, in the Mennonite church, we had the tradition of having amen corners. And so the older ones would always come up towards the front of the church and, and they'd be the ones that amen for the preacher and amen. Yeah. They've all died. (laughs) They have all died. And we have nobody in the amen corners, even in the Mennonite churches, Anabaptist churches. So folks move to the front. Yep. We need more amens. I always thought people sat in the back (laughs) like an airplane. You get out first. (laughs) Yeah. You don't wait for anyone chit-chatting in the sides and stuff. Well, I think it was left over from when we had children. We wanted to be at the back with the children so we could take them out easily. But now the grandparents didn't move up. Yeah. So there's no place for the parents because the grandparents didn't move up. Yep. But every church I visited in uh, preaching the last couple of years when I haven't only been at one congregation, uh, it's the same thing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to be in the back because they don't. And the message doesn't hit you quite the same. Right. When you put space between the speaker yeah. and the listener. We should put up like a reserved ribbon on those back pews. I knew a pastor who did that. Oh. Lasted three weeks and he was gone. Ooh. Yes. It was oh. a sad situation. And uh, I'd worked with him a long time and I, oh, he's got good, good talent here. He, mm. yeah, he hasn't pastored since. Yikes. Oh yeah. So I mean, don't don't pastors don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. There's no, other put, ways to bring people to the front. Yeah, put better padding on the front pews or something. Yes. Only pad the front pews. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. Take the ones off the back, double mm-hmm. them up on the front. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, the luxury seating. Yeah. Then it is first Memory class up there. That's right. Okay. Uh before we pray, uh, do you have a verse? I do. A quiz verse. Yes, a quiz verse. Now, this comes from a different book than last time, so that's one clue. But an author we've talked about in the last two episodes, that's another clue. Therefore, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. I'm thinking... Okay. You have till next week. I have till next you week. You can put yours in the comments too. That's right. I'll do that. <laughs> follow, right. a- follow Alex. Yeah, yeah. We pray us out. I can do that. Lord, we thank you for the privilege you give us to be together, brothers, and with listeners. Lord, guide us this week. Give us a sense of your peace and your presence as all as well as your leading for us as your people in these times. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Alex. We will see you guys next week. Lord willing. Till then, take care. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. 
We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.